the Burnout. He is ESPN and SEC Network's Peter Burns. I am Ryan Brown. It is presented by MyBookie AG, MyBookie.ag. Code next round for that sign-on bonus up to $200 when you deposit $50 or more at MyBookie.ag. Start playing right away at MyBookie.ag. Code next round. What is up, Peter? How are you? I'm fine. Everything's fine. I'm all, I'm fine. I need it. I need people to stop asking about me how I'm doing. I'm doing fine right now. In in the middle of the screen, it is topic number three. We will come back to, is it time to hit the panic button for LSU? Mm. But let's start with what happened to the (laughs) SEC, Bernsey. What happened? It was not a good weekend for the conference. You and I cut our teeth on. We grew up consuming SEC football. We love SEC football. I can't look past it. It was a bad weekend for the SEC. Yeah, well, I mean... Yes, it absolutely was, right? There's no sugarcoating it, um, you know, when you look at what what games actually kind of mattered, right? I mean, you start right. with LSU and FSU. Everybody had kind of circled that. You were on national television, and, and you threw up over on yourself in the second half of that game. We'll break that one down uh, a little bit later. But, like, even the matchups that I thought, like I, I had picked Utah to win that game against Florida, and Utah just punked them around a little bit back on, over on Thursday. And the same thing, I picked North Carolina to beat South Carolina. They weren't good matchups for the SEC – but, Brownie, the thing is, in the past, it always felt like, hey, I know that's the ranked team, but we're the SEC. Like, like we just show up and people are supposed to be afraid, and that wasn't the case, right? And and now, you know, as much as the conference and myself and a lot of people and you and everybody kind of chants the SEC and kind of says, hey, listen, we're better than everybody else, it also puts a target on your back, and that target was absolutely eviscerated by some of these matchups this weekend. Yeah, it absolutely was. Let's go back to Thursday night because what bugged me in that game was how poorly prepared Florida looked. And listen, I I thought Billy Napier was going to do a good job there. I know this is only game one of year two, so you've got to give the guy some time. But uh, that just did not look like a great uh, preparation. It it looked like a poorly prepared team. They made a lot of bonehead errors, dumb Mm -hmm. penalties. You know, you had a a, a punt where you had two guys with the same number on the field at the same time that directly led to seven points. For Utah, I mean, Florida fans had every right to be disappointed by that. Yeah, and I I think that's part of it, right? I mean, it took a Herculean effort the year prior with Anthony Richardson to win Mm -hmm. that game down in the swamp. And you knew coming back, even with no Cam Rising, it was going to be an issue. But, yeah, I mean, I think that's one of the biggest things you look for in week one is how prepared is your team when the lights come on? Right. Like, are you do you look like a deer in the headlights? Does it look like, you know, you have issues? I go back to Brian Kelly and against FSU last year and it was embarrassing. It looked like LSU had never played organized football um, and ultimately almost won that game last year uh, down in New Orleans. But it was a similar situation for Billy Napier squad. And listen, I think Billy is a great recruiter. The problem is, is once the, the, the wheels get squeaky and they start getting wobbly around the SEC, that's a tough, I mean, that's a tough situation to get by because then everybody's going to negative recruit against you from, from day one. So, you know, the transfer portal should be your friend. I guess it was with Graham Burtz to a certain extent, but they have to be more balanced and, and I don't see it happening anytime soon. Yeah, I, I, I don't. And it, obviously the schedule is very difficult uh, for the Florida Gators. Mm-hmm. And um, I don't know, it's, it's going to be a very interesting year on the Swamp because you watch the SEC East. Now, you watch that first game, and I can tell you the very next day on the next round, one of our discussions is, is Vandy the only team? Now, they're 2-0. Oh, is Vandy the only team you would put under Florida? But then I watch some of the rest of the East, I'm like, hmm, not so fast. I don't, I, don't, I, don't, I don't know that I'm quite there yet. 
Yeah, and I, I split it on the other side of me and me and Doring. Doring got all pissy with me over on SEC Network <laughs> on Friday show because we had just come off the heels of, of the Thursday night game, and and I said, listen, it's gonna be it's gonna be a, a pretty big effort for Florida to stay within, I think, two touchdowns of Tennessee uh, coming up in Week Three. And he looked at me, he's like, dude, Tennessee hasn't won in the swamp since like Feinbaum was 14 years old, right? Like it's been a, it's been a while. It's and twice like, since 1970. Yeah, twice since 1970. It's it's crazy to think about, but I go back and look at yes, what happened to the SEC was bad, but I also look at some of the more positive things, and I'm like where Tennessee looked like over the weekend, that would have been Tennessee and A&M arguably were like the two most impressive things that happened. So, you know, there weren't any of those big, big upsets, right? Like I I joked around on my show, it was a taking care of business. You had all these cupcakes, you ate them, you didn't trip up. You didn't have this Michigan app state type deal. And we've seen that happen in the sec where you pay these teams, you know, a million dollars to come get their whooping. And all of a sudden they kind of hang around. There wasn't a whole heck of a lot of that, but yeah. when it was good versus good, it was not a, a great weekend for the SEC by any means. Yeah, the burnout presented by MyBookie, MyBookie.ag. Code next round when you sign up for that sign-on bonus, uh, which gets you a sign-on bonus of up to $200 on any deposit of $50 or more. You can play with it right away. Uh, MyBookie.ag. Code next round to get signed up there. One of those games that was good on good was the Battle of the Carolinas. Mm-hmm. And... Um, you know, a lot of people had talked themselves into believing South Carolina was taking steps forward, steps forward. They end the season last year beating Tennessee and Clemson. This is going to be the year. Maybe it's not steps forward. It's a leap forward. Yeah. And you can't help but watch that game. I think it was a big step backwards. Their offensive line play was atrocious. They couldn't run the football. They couldn't protect Spencer Rattler. Uh, it, it was it was disastrous. It really was disastrous for Shane Beamer's team. Yeah, it was tough because I felt like what Shane's done a good job in since he got over to Columbia was taking these little moral victories and these little victories here and making them into huge, huge recruiting strides, right? And, and so this was that opportunity. It was neutral site. College game day was there. And how do you build upon the momentum of beating Tennessee, of beating Clemson? And it, it falls flat. Um, and the thing is, though, I mean, he made no bones about it. He knew that they weren't the best team, right? This wasn't like making excuses, I don't think. I think he said, listen, the offensive line was not good. I knew talking to Clayton White, their defensive coordinator in this offseason, that there was going to be some death issues on the D-line because they were going to have to have some young guys play. So um, it, it was a learning lesson. I, I probably learned I learned a lot about South Carolina and their inefficiencies on both lines of scrimmage. But I also learned a whole hell of a lot that Drake May, while everybody's talking about Caleb Williams, Drake May may not be, you know, the second overall number uh, pick in, in the NFL draft. Like he's he, that guy looks silky smooth on yeah. on on Saturday night. Yeah, he absolutely did. As you can see on the rundown, we're coming back to LSU. So when we yeah. talk good, you're letting good, my temperature, you're letting yep, my temperature, yep. uh, you know, get down a little bit. Uh, that's right. That's right. We're gonna let, we're gonna let Peter calm down and get in the. Uh, Get in the feel of the game here. We're not going to throw a lot at him in the first quarter. Yeah. And we're going to let him settle. I'm Carson Beck right now, right? You just give me right. just yeah, easy just win. Let me well, let's out That's athlete right. these first couple of segments, and then we'll <laughs> we'll challenge you a little bit more. And um, that's that's basically the game plan right now. I like so it. let me let me take the other side. You're my Florida Mike State. Bobo. I uh, you're Mike that. Bobo. Yes, I don't yeah. think that's a compliment. Um, the uh, the other side of that game, Florida State's a dang good football team. I mean, that's that's yeah. the that's the other takeaway. We we focus a lot on LSU down here. Florida State is really, really good. In fact, if I were an Associated Press voter 
And and my approach when I was an AP voter was I vote on what I have seen on the field, right? Yeah. That was the most impressive one. I would have Florida State number one in the nation this week. I, I go back and forth on that because I always feel like once you win a national championship, you're the number mm-hmm. one team until somebody proves you uh, not to be the right. case, right? Like in, until you lose a game. Like that. That's that's the carryover effect. But you're right. I mean, as far as teams that look dominant, I mean, Ohio State did not look great uh, in their opener. Michigan was okay um, in, in, in their opener as well, went in, what, like 30-3. to three. Um, yeah, but, I thought Bam, yeah. Bama did some great things. I mean, LSU was exposed. But if you're talking about teams that I'm like, holy crap, that, that was impressive. That second half of football by Florida State was as impressive as I've seen since really, I mean, I guess it's the last real big game that we saw, but as dominant as Georgia was against TCU in the national championship game. Yeah, very, very impressive. And and I thought Jordan Travis played to a Heisman level. Like, if mm-hmm. you want to start doing the way-too-early Heisman list, we'll also get to Colorado coming up a little bit later on. But if you want to get to the way-too-early Heisman list, uh, Jordan Travis got to be on there. I mean, that was a very, very impressive performance by him. They're big and athletic at receiver. They get after it defensively. I mean, I don't like pers- – you don't like to get personal fouls. But you do like to play on the edge. And I thought that was a bogus personal foul call down on the goal line on the roughing the passer. But, you know, historic Florida State defenses, Burnsy, they would live on that edge under Coach Bowden and Mickey Andrews. And they'd get a couple of 15-yarders, and they were okay with that because they liked them to play with that edge a little bit. I saw some of that out of Florida State. I I saw it too, and I'll tell you this. As a diehard LSU fan, I thought all of the personal fouls were kind of bogus, honestly. Like, you know, I mean, there are certain plays where I'm just like, listen, that's dirty. Throw a flag. Like, as a fan, you get off the the couch, and you're like, that's effing ridiculous. Throw the flag, blah, blah, blah. (laughs) Like, I looked at him like, oh, my gosh, that – we're going to get 15 yeah. out of that. Like yeah, I thought I they were kind of yeah. weak, but I thought I, I was super impressed with Mike Norvell. Like that mm-hmm. was one of the reasons why I thought LSU had an edge. Cause I didn't know if Norvell was ready for that moment. And I thought Brian Kelly had done a good job in this off season of getting that team. Right. But man, and I, I don't know how much halftime adjustments are Mike Norvell or if, if that's a, it's a myth or a, you know, a, a urban legend, but whatever he did to make sure they, they, they bent, but not they didn't break right off the bat in those first couple of drives for LSU and then set the tone in the second half. I mean, that was national championship type of stuff. And they look like a Georgia. They look like an Alabama. They look like an LSU 2019 in that second half. And that's something we hadn't seen, frankly, from not only FSU, but really an ACC squad since Clemson won it all a couple of years ago. The burnout presented by mybookie.ag. Don't forget code next round when you go there for that sign-on bonus up to $200 of a sign-on bonus there on any deposit of $50 or more. You get that great sign-on bonus there. Uh, mybookie.ag. Go to lanceslight.com. Get all Lance's plays. Uh, coming off another good college football weekend. Take those over to mybookie.ag. The NFL plays coming up starting Thursday night at lanceslight.com. Great packages for uh, just a game weekend, a month, a week, even a full season right there at lanceslock.com for all the information. All right, second on the list here, uh, as people look at it, they're like, does that really say does Bama, Texas matter? Of course it matters. It's Alabama versus Texas. I've seen some discussion like, it doesn't really matter. Either team can lose this game and still be in the college football playoff. That's true. Uh, This isn't even really conference supremacy anymore. Texas is going to be a conference member in the Southeastern Conference next year. That's true. But still, when you see these two helmets on the field, even if both those things are true, this game 
It, these are the types of games we sign up for as a college football fan. Of course it matters. Well, the reason why, and let me see, I can do like the meteorologist thing where I actually point at the topic. You see, the you reason why you this it. thing right there, or yep. that question is because of what just happened right there, of what That's happened right. to the SEC, right? Because this is a big weekend coming up because, listen, the SEC got – their nose bloodied, right? This is, you know, we're basically Yvonne Drago and, and Rocky Four. Like, we're training. We got the best facilities. Like, nobody touches us. And all of a sudden, Rocky came in and, and, and put a jab, and all of a sudden, we're cut. And Alabama, Texas absolutely matters, not only in the, in the big scheme of college football this year, but really of just kind of the perception of the SEC, right? Like, if all of a sudden, you got Alabama falling at home to Texas – and all of a sudden, I can see Tulane giving Ole Miss every single no bit of a run for their money coming up this week. And I think that's in New Orleans, if I'm not mistaken. It is, yep. Yeah, the and, Stadium, the on-campus uh, facility for Tulane, yeah. You know, A&M, if, if they struggle against Miami, like right. there's a couple of interesting week two matchups that everybody is salivating uh, on, on whether or not going, all right, well, let's see if this is for real or not. So I'm, I can't wait for this game. Um I'm interested to see. I liked what Jalen Milrow did. And I think, you know, Brownie, the first play uh, that we saw, one of the first drives we saw, we saw an errant snap. Okay. Mm -hmm. The ball gets fumbled. All of a sudden, Milrow picks it up, turns it in to a score. And you looked at that and I was like, that's the reason why. That that right there personifies every part, crystallizes why Jalen Milrow is the starting quarterback. That doesn't happen with Tyler Buckner. It doesn't happen with, with, with Dylan. It doesn't happen uh, with Ty Simpson. They all fall on it. Instead, Milrow turned something into, uh, you know, or turned a, a positive result out of what could have been a, a, a monster letdown right off the bat. So um, I was impressed. He, he answered everything I needed to have answered. I still don't know push comes to shove of his national championship good, but you don't have to be national championship good in week one. Yeah, that's, that's absolutely correct. Here's the thing I would say about Milrow, and I, I'm curious your thought on this. You live with an Alabama fan. Your wife is a uh, is a Crimson Tide at heart. Oh, yeah. I got the house uh, the house divided. There. The old house divided, that's right. Oh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> if, if you take Jalen Milrow, you take that performance Saturday night, he became the first uh, Alabama quarterback to put up three passing touchdowns, two rushing touchdowns in a game. He basically mm -hmm. did that in half, right? In half plus, you know, a few drives. You take that performance and you rewind, if you could, historically, before you had that string of four straight NFL quarterbacks, Jalen Hurts, um, Tua Tagovailoa, Mac Jones, Jones, and Bryce Young. Yeah, and, and, and you drop that Jalen Hurts performance right there. Alabama fans, or excuse me, that Jalen Milrow performance right there before Jalen Hurts. Mm -hmm. Alabama fans would be going nuts over it. They'd be like, man, look at this guy. But yep. your, your, your taste buds now are obvious NFL quarterbacks. He doesn't yep. like that part yet. But I think Alabama fans, I think this is a product of Alabama fans have been extremely spoiled by the quarterback play they've had over the last five or six years. I think if you put Jalen uh, Milrow before that, Alabama fans will be stoked about that performance Saturday night. Yeah, I don't think there's a doubt. But then again, you and I have talked about it on, on all your shows, is that for Alabama, it's pass or fail. Right. Yeah. It, it is, you know, the gladiator going thumbs up or thumbs down in the arena. And so you have to you have to say that's the new expectation of it. Right. Like you can say, hey, we're happy with what that looked like um, if you're Texas A&M and you're trying to build up, if you're Hugh Freeze down at Auburn trying to figure things out right now. But for Alabama, it's like we're no longer the gold standard of college football. Who's going to bring us back that way? So, um, again, I thought it was good. 
I, I don't think they ran the ball extremely well uh, or as much as I thought they they would in, in week one. But again, again, we're, we're nitpicking and we're going to learn a lot more about that. I didn't think on the flip side of it, I didn't think Texas looked extremely sharp against Rice right. as well. Yeah. And now, again, we're, it's vanilla versus vanilla. Like Sark and Tommy Reese weren't going to open up the grab bag of what they really want. They were going to get enough looks on tape, I would imagine, to say, hey, this is kind of what we do. Be prepared for it. But they might have used maybe 8% of the playbook with their respective opponents, and they're saving it up for for a shootout, I hope, coming up in T-Town this weekend. Yeah, the entire world is going to be at Tuscaloosa. Game day there, your colleagues mm-hmm. with SEC yep. Nation there, Fowler and Herb Street. It's going to be a heck of a scene there for Alabama, Texas. So as we talked about whether that game matters, you started running this list of these SEC games at a conference that now take on a whole new meaning with the SEC mm-hmm. going 0-3 in the big three out-of-conference games they played this past weekend. Keep in yep. mind, as we start this discussion, originally Georgia and Oklahoma were supposed to be playing this coming Saturday. Which how, how interesting would that game look right now with the dismantling Oklahoma put on Arkansas State? I mean, I felt bad. You know, um, Jeff Puritan is the athletic director over yeah. at Arkansas State. And, of course, he was over at Alabama, one of the genuinely nicest guys yep. in yep. college athletics and just uh, just a great human being. And I text him right before the game. I said, hey, man, good luck to you guys. Shock the world. And he's like, you know, hey, thanks. Hope you're, you and your family are doing well. Couldn't have been any nicer, right? right? I was like, I probably shouldn't send a text after the game, after I'm looking yeah. at that. Yeah, I yeah, did that feel go. You saw that. You saw it. I felt bad when they, they, the player or the coach went over there and oh. hugged Butch Jones in the Oof. middle of that. I mean, they were going through some issues. Um, yeah. But again, I mean, Oklahoma got off to a quick start. If I remember last year and put up some monster numbers, you're like, ooh, they might be good. Um, I would have liked to have seen Georgia play Oklahoma right off the bat um, because I still don't know. I mean, I know Georgia or what they've shown over the last two years is for real. I don't know if Brent Venables has has risen to that spot right there, but it was impressive to see, no doubt. We wondered what Texas A&M's offense would look like with Bobby Petrino involved. It is only New Mexico, and I get that. But we had not seen the type of efficient quarterback play that Connor Wegman gave us Saturday night. We've not seen that recently under Jimbo Fisher. Wegman was really good. He threw for five touchdowns. Their receivers look good. The offense moved the ball. Um, they go to Miami, and again, it's a big game going to Miami. This is a game they easily could have lost last year in College Station, but week one, that's a big check mark for that offense under Bob Petrino. Yeah, but it angered me. Like Why? that that win for Texas AM angered me because I sat there watching it, how effortlessly Wegman played, how fluid the offense looked, how they got the ball to the playmakers. And I'm like, why in the hell did Jimbo Fisher not do this four years ago? Right. Like what, what, right. why did they not go to this route and him understanding, listen, I need somebody else to, to call the offense. I'm going to be the CEO. This is not just, um, you know, 1998 football. Like things have changed. I'm the CEO. I'm going to bring in an offensive coordinator and an offensive mind. And so like, to me, if I'm an A&M fan, yeah, I'm, I'm ecstatic because it looks like they have a game plan. They look the part of all the hype that they had over the last two years when they were ranked six to start the season. But then I'm also upset in the same breath going, bro, we could have done this the last couple of seasons, right? <laughs> like that, that to me would have made a whole lot, a lot of sense. So like I said, I, I, I can't help but think now after watching LSU and that debacle against FSU and seeing the rest of the teams, 
I can't help but think that A&M probably wasn't the second most impressive SEC West team after after week one. Yeah, I don't, I don't have a problem with that. I don't have a problem with that. It will be interesting I mean, to see how well it travels. You've got mm-hmm. a little better defense in Miami than you're facing in in, uh, in New Mexico, against New Mexico. But yeah. I thought Wegman, I thought he passed the test. Week one, he looked like a different quarterback playing in that offense. Much more fit. No, it's 12 touchdowns, no interceptions yep. since he took over. And again, yep. you know, he's got Max Johnson still kind of pushing him. But, um, you know, Noah Thomas had the three touchdowns. Evan Stewart had a couple of them. Yep. Um, yep. To me, this was, you know, it's hard to tell when you're playing like a quote-unquote inferior opponent. But did it look fluid? It did for AM. And I remember a couple, the last two seasons, there were times, Brownie, where they would play bad opponents and it looked like they were playing in molasses. That was yeah. not the case. And they no. looked the part too, right? Like Florida State looked the part over on, on Sunday night. Georgia, Alabama always looks the part. Um, A&M looks the part right off the get-go. All right. Uh, the other game at 2.30, that's a 2.30 Central, 3.30 Eastern ABC kick over on ESPN2 at the same time. You mentioned it earlier. Ole Miss is at Tulane. Yeah. South Alabama was a big-time upset pick for a lot of people. Tulane took care of business in that game. I watched that game. They didn't look like last year's Tulane, but they look like a really solid Tulane team. I thought they would be looking past South Alabama to Ole Miss. They were not. Um, Willie Fritz uh, is a, a good coach, and he had them dialed in. Pratt looked as about like he did last year. Now, I know Ole Miss put up a ton of points. Yeah. Uh, Jackson Dart threw the ball well. That's Mercer, but now this is on the road against Tulane. This is an interesting 230 matchup here. Yeah, I mean, this is where I think that, you know, we saw it a couple years ago. When when Lane hired DJ Durkin, that was a mm-hmm. monster hire for him. Remember, that was the year, yep. his second season. They end up winning 10 games. They go to the Sugar Bowl, mostly because the offense is always going to be the offense, for the most part, under Lane Kiffin. Like, it's just wash, rinse, repeat. You're going to put up monster numbers. The question is on the other side of the ball. And, you know, having Pete Golden there now, I think, is kind of so interesting because he's got that chip on the shoulder. They want to look a little bit better. And, and Willie and those boys can play down in two lanes. So, you know, like, I feel like I can already, you know, clock in 35 to 42 points for Lane. The question is, is what that defense is going to look like. I'm a believer in it. Um, and I can't wait to see Quinshawn Judkins. I mean, I, that's anytime I get a chance to watch him play, it's it, it, it's solid. But that's, yeah. again, another another kind of brand slash reputation game for the SEC in a, in a dangerous situation. Yeah, that's the only – Thing I would take from that Ole Miss Mercer game, and boy, I mean, I hate to read anything good or bad into a game against Mercer, yeah. but they, I mean, they didn't run the ball spectacularly. I mean, Judkins, you mentioned 13 carries, 60 yards. You know that that the way Lane loves running the football, I was expecting like a 200 yard rush game, but I mm-hmm. think he was probably seeing more what he had at quarterback there, and you know, Dart played yeah. well. So, so you know, we'll see what Judkins does down at Tulane. Yeah, I mean, right off the bat, we were wondering, like, I we were had a bunch of games going on, and we're over there on the SEC Network, and then I'm looking at the stat line. They're like, all right, we got a uh, score update for <laughs> Ole Miss, and I'm like, all right, yeah, and it's like 28-3. to 3. I'm like, oh, that game's in halftime? They're like, no, it's just in the first quarter. Like, I know. <laughs> and I think you're right. I think you nailed it. Like, all right, Jackson, let's see. Like, like almost let me see if I can make you fail here. And Jackson's like – Okay, and he just put up, you know, video game numbers. Um, yeah. And again, Sanders is going to be there in the wings. But I also think too is why run the hell out of Quinshawn in Week One against Mercer when you got a big game coming up? And and part of what NFL scouts had told me over the last decade is when they have somebody that they want 
as from a running back perspective, right? And we know that's a little bit more devalued to the NFL. It's not even the production anymore. They want, of course, it's the production. It's, hey, I don't want you to be a bell cow, right? Like I, I that always shocked me, right? Like you would think that you want to Ron Dane it and Eddie, like, like give me the rock over and over and over again. They want less mileage now um, going in. Is they almost want to be like, listen, yeah, he only had yeah. you know two hundred some odd carries as opposed to 600 carries and he's beat up. So um, I think it's a break case and of emergency and uh, we'll see a lot of Quinshawn coming up this weekend. So as the PAC 12 bids adieu to college football, they start with a 13 and 0 weekend. And there are two PAC 12 versus SEC games. We're about to talk about here. It is the burnout. He is Peter Burns. I'm Ryan Brown, MyBookie.ag. code next round, bringing you the show code next round at sign up for that sign on bonus at MyBookie.ag. Arizona, is at Mississippi State. That is on your network, the SEC network at 630. Um, you know, I watched a little bit of the state game. You could tell that, you know, they're going to – it's going to take a minute to shake off the air raid and get into the offense. Zach Arnett wants to play, but that defense was still there. Here comes Arizona, a little step up for them and quality of opponent. Yeah. Uh, but but I think state fans had to like what they saw. In, and now Zach Arnett's 2-0 as a head coach. like what they saw in that debut. Yeah, I mean, again, if you would if I would have told you that, hey, we're looking at a Mississippi State team that had the most rushing yards in the SEC yep. after week one, I'd be like, huh? Like the state state? Like in Starkville State? Like would have asked that question. <laughs> it's it's and, not the air raid anymore. Yeah, it, I mean, it's completely different. And, and yep. that's hard. But thank goodness that you have the transfer portal, right? Like Kevin Barbe, you know, is able to say, all right, well, we're going to add tight ends and we're going to change the look of what the offensive line does. And Will Rogers was complimentary to that. Um, you know, Mike Wright. I mean, it was to me, it it proved what we all thought. Yet somehow the media thought that 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 state was going to be the seventh best team in the SEC West is is not factual. Right. Like I feel like we vote or not we because I didn't. But I feel like people vote state at seventh in the West because they're like, it's just state. They're not even going to get yeah. pissed if we even say that. And I think it's in a way that we wear it as a badge of honor. Um, right. I will say this funny story. So we have uh, we're on SEC Network right before the game and we do our halftime and they're like, hey, as soon as halftime's over, we're going to interview Zach Arnett. He's waiting for you guys to finish halftime. So he finished the halftime show and then we're going to take like a little deal with him. And we, you know, he's there and you know how they do on game day where they're, they got the ear yeah, pods yeah, yeah. in yeah. or pods in. And we talked to coach and I mean, it was the most buttoned up, um, nervous energy, like two word answer question ever. <laughs> and normally I'd be like, come on, man. But I was like, I loved it because I just knew how big of a moment that was for him and I'm excited. Like we get, we just assume all these coaches and a lot of these coaches, if you made it to the SEC Brownie, they've been around the block. Nothing's new to them. And so to see it through the eyes of Zach Arnett being nervous and ready to go and so dialed in for his team, like I'm like, this is kind of cool, right? And it's, I don't know, it, it for me, it, it gave me a reason to be like, I'm absolutely 1000% pulling for this dude to have success. Because I like guys that work hard, get their opportunity, and, and, and crush it. Yeah, you hated the opportunity came the way it came, but he was no there. Doubt. Yeah, and no he's doubt. got the opportunity now and has a chance uh, to make the best of it. And then late night, another Pac-12 versus SEC game. I just got finished listening to Hugh Freeze talk about the travel difficulties of this game. Mm. So Auburn is going to fly to California Thursday night. Then they're going to stay in the hotel Thursday night. They're going to get up 
Friday. Try to keep a normal Friday schedule, but normally on Friday you're traveling. They're not having to do that. So they're going to practice, and they get back to the hotel, and now you wake up Saturday. That game's not until 9.35 Central Time. Auburn's body clock is at 9.35, and Hugh's like, man, I've never really had to do this. This is going to be really difficult to keep them fresh. Um, not to mention the fact that Cal had a super impressive performance at North Texas. This is a better yep. Cal team than a lot of people thought. Yeah, I mean, they put up – they had a 50-burger, right? Yep. On, on, and we're like, Cal? Like, yeah, AC, ACC member Cal, absolutely. <laughs> like, ACC right. historical powerhouse, California. Um, <laughs> it, listen, I mean, this is kind of what you want. Like, I, I'm a firm believer, and Chiz would tell me this, and I've heard it from sitting on the set with the SEC Network guys, is that – these road trips, especially like really, really far road trips that you're probably never going to go to again, it are so much of a bonding experience for these guys to where like it's almost a, a, an amplifier, a, a multiplier. If you go over there, you travel, you you beat the hell out of somebody and you're traveling all the way back. And it's just kind of like that moment, you know, like you just you went on spring break with all your boys and you're always going to have a memory like this is a sneaky big game for the development of Hugh Freeze and just the culture around Auburn football. And nobody's won the offseason better, in my mind, around the SEC than Hugh. He got that entire fractured fan base all headed in the same direction. Now, you look good in week one, you have to keep that momentum. But if you go ahead and get it in week two, and all of a sudden the recruits start believing – and you've got this kind of like gelling around this team. It's it's fun as hell. And they're going to be a problem. I also think what's going to be cool to watch all year long is I just feel in my mind and it probably they'll probably deny it. But at some point, Lane is always going to want to know how many points Hugh is putting up. And Hugh is always <laughs> going to want to know how many points Ole Miss and, and Lane Kiffin are putting up. Like it's like a, a battle inside their own games this, this season. Yeah. All right. Before we move on to to we we've allowed Peter to simmer down to LSU. Yeah. Tennessee looked good. I mean, Tennessee beat Virginia. I thought uh, you know, seeing Joe Milton in that offense, taking yeah. it over to his offense. I don't think that's a very good Virginia team, but they did what you're supposed to do against inferior teams. They they that ran them out of the defense. That defense, they, they ran the ball really well. And uh, trivia question before we get into the Tennessee part. Um what do you think the the play split was? There were about a thousand plays last year that Tennessee ran. Okay, mm-hmm. how many runs do you versus passes do you think that they had in twenty twenty two? Um, I mean the it felt it felt watching them like it was seventy thirty. Seventy thirty passing. Pass. Oh yeah, yeah, right. passing. It was like 560 runs versus like four hundred and thirty passes. See, isn't that crazy? Right? It felt like they threw all the time. Right. And so, you know, you think about it because you think of Hinton Hooker and Hyatt and and all the touchdowns and you start thinking about it going, well, actually, they were more run balanced. And that's what I wanted to see this week. And so they were great. I'll tell you what, the defense looked like dogs. I mean, they were ready to roll like that was uh, this kid. James Pierce had a couple of plays off the edge. I'm like, I haven't seen a Tennessee pass rusher like that in a long, long time. And they looked the part. They got through that first game against Virginia uh, relatively injury-free. And, I mean, again, long ways to go, but it would not shock me whatsoever if we're talking about, after week one, thinking about an undefeated Tennessee, an undefeated Georgia in Knoxville in the middle of in November Oof. in that play. I'm like, I don't have a dog in the fight. 
I will legitimately take a weekend off of the SEC Network and go to that game because that place will be unbelievable. Oh, it would be it would be unbelievable. Um, they obviously they got the trip to Florida coming up. They've still got Alabama, still got Texas A&M. Interesting schedule for Tennessee this yeah. year. But I, I thought week one, uh, you if you're a Tennessee fan, you liked what you saw going from Hendon Hooker, who had one of the greatest seasons in mm-hmm. Tennessee football history, <clears throat> to Joe Milton. I, I think he felt like um, I think he felt like. That that was a plus right there. I think you got a yeah, thumbs there, up there, out of that. There was still a couple of hundred mile an hour. You oh know, yeah, fast that's what he does. That would have yep. that would have yep. broke people's fingers if you hit them in the wrong way. But I like the call right off the bat. Fourth and five, one of the first drives that Tennessee has. They go for it, and it's just a little touch pass that you got to make, and it's an easy pass in theory, right? And Milton made the passes, you know, and, and, and had the connection when he needed to. So, um, I mean, that that's probably along with a And M. I thought Tennessee and a And M had maybe the best grades from from week one. We all love Roback gear here. Roback.com code TNR twenty at Roback.com saves you twenty percent off your first purchase. So uh, go make that first purchase at Roback and use code TNR twenty at Roback.com. Excellent gear from the hoodies to the golf shirts. Uh, it's just fantastic stuff. Roback.com, code TNR at checkout. They even have state-specific stuff. So you want to get gear to wear to the games, Roback.com, code TNR20. I've got one of the uh, the LSU ones that have like, yeah. the little Louisiana yeah. State flags on there. So cool. Um, it, it is in that, the. I mean, listen, I'm not paid by Roback or anything like that. Like, I, I'm telling you, the, the hoodie that I wear is by far, like, my favorite hoodie because it looks like – makes me look like I actually have muscles – when I don't, and so it like fits, but it breathes pretty yeah. good. So I'm, it's I'm so team soft too. Yeah, their stuff, their hoodies are so soft. I love them. Mm-hmm. Roback.com code TNR20 at check it. All right. So we've talked about what happened in the SEC. We've talked yeah. about Bama, Texas. Here we go. Here we go. We got to yeah. do this. Uh, why do I not hit the panic button if I'm an LSU fan right now? Well, I mean, listen, people aren't talking about this, right? But when you go back and actually rewatch that game, Brownie, LSU outscored FSU seven to nothing in the last minute and 15. And I'm just saying <laughs> they, did, they didn't give up. <laughs> they ran out of time. They didn't lose. They ran out of time. Okay. Uh, LSU had them right where they wanted to. They were playing coy with Harold Perkins. They like in the seventh quarter, they would have had right. FSU's ass. That's right. right? Yep. Like, yep. so just a matter again, of time. It just, I, I, maybe they forgot what the rules were that it was only four quarters of the game. I mean, <laughs> It's it was crazy. You couldn't have got off to a better start for LSU with, you know, you take it right down the field. I didn't mind the going for it on early in that game. Like, yeah. hey, you know, plant your flag in that game. Right. Do it. I hated the play calling um, down. I mean, the red zone play calling was just a struggle. It, a, it was a struggle, but also FSU's credit, man. They they did a great job of defending it. They went after LSU's offensive line and, and it was tough. Um, LSU still struggled to run the ball which is still shocking to me. Like in my mind, it does not compute ever that LSU should ever struggle to run the ball. Um, Yet they did. And listen, I've made a big point out of it. Everybody's made a big point out of it. I don't know if it would have been a difference, but it would have been nice to see Harold Perkins at some point. Like you can't have a Ferrari sitting at a red. Okay, like remember Ferris Bueller's day off where where um, Ferris's buddy, uh, who's the guy with the 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 one that they steal the Ferrari? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can't remember his name. He's trying to open the door with his foot. Yeah, like like, but but even that, um, you know, I'm talking about like just 
you have a Ferrari in the garage and you're just yeah. be like, yeah, let's just take it around the neighborhood on a Sunday stroll. Like, no, like rev that thing up. And I understand that they're trying to make Harold Perkins an inside linebacker. And the reason why they're trying to do that is they're like, we know you have talent, but we want to put you into the league. Our job of like, you're trusting us to build you into an NFL player, not just win games for LSU. Cause that's the recruiting pitch to everybody is I want you to play on Sundays and make a bajillion dollars. And they're trying to teach Harold Perkins, who's undersized to play defensive end of the NFL, you need to learn these skill sets. The problem is, is he started thinking. And I, you could just tell, like, it just wasn't the way you utilize Harold Perkins. And so therein kind of lies, you know, the rub about it. I said that at SEC Media Days that I thought that Harold Perkins was going to be the most overrated, overhyped player coming into the college football season, only because – I knew that they were going to ask him to do things that we hadn't seen from him done before. Right? right. And I think it's up to Matt house to decide, Hey, do we continue to do this? You know, or do we say, Hey man, we just got to let the dog go hunt. And that, that's one of the things I'm looking forward to see the development of Harold Perkins let down the road. So two stats on him, he had two, two solo tackles, which, mm. you know, you expect more out of a player like that than to have two solo tackles. But that wasn't even the most disturbing stat to me. The most disturbing stat has come on film study now. He only rushed the passer seven times. So the rest of the game, you're asking him to do something other than harass the passer, which is what he excelled at at the end of last year. And, I mean, those two stats are alarming to me. They are alarming to me that, that yeah. that's what he did. And, oh, by the way, you got 45 points put on you in the process. Yeah, and again – would it made a difference? I don't know because I, I thought the Achilles coming, the Achilles heel for LSU was going to be the secondary, right? And it proved to be the case, right? I mean, they had a bunch of transfers that came in. Some of them were undersized. And ultimately, you looked at that and like, that was the difference maker. Uh, you know, Florida State had dudes on the outside. LSU yeah. didn't. It was not, it was not, you know, DBU. My dad said it was, it was GBU. It was get burnt university. And <laughs> I was like, it was the worst dad joke. I didn't want to laugh at it. And I'm sure yeah, he got it through bad. some like, yeah. yeah, forwarded email in a chain or something like that. But I'm like, that's pretty funny. It is actually true. Um, yeah. You gotta, you have to do something else with, with Harold Perkins. And um, it was just disappointing. I mean, you go back and look at the LSU losses now. Okay. They got destroyed against Tennessee. They weren't ready for that game. Right. Okay? They weren't ready for Texas A&M that just completely took the air out of the tires going into the SEC championship game last year. They weren't ready against FSU last year with all the issues. Um, you know, so I start and then they got blown out. But a lot of people are going to get blown out by Georgia in the national in, in the SEC championship game. So like the five losses that Brian Kelly have had, they're not like, ooh, barely lost. Yeah. It was like you got you got pumped and that that's 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 troubling all the goodwill that Brian Kelly got when LSU went for two in in Baton Rouge to beat Alabama it carried over and we were all waiting to see what was going to happen on Sunday night and I felt like the Griswolds like they got ready they got packed and they rolled into Wally World they found out it was closed right like like that's it I mean, and and they're going to have to get that fixed. And now I'm worried about Mississippi State and Arkansas here in week three and four because I don't know. I, I think Will Rogers and, and K.J. Jefferson have damn good arms and, and good receivers. That's that's going to be an issue for LSU. Yeah, and then at Ole Miss. I mean, they've, they've got three conference games that are all losable games if they, if they mm -hmm. can't get some of this figured out. Yeah. Uh, the other thing you touched on there, 
Well, first of all, you mentioned the defensive backs. I saw Ryan Clark today, you know, LSU great on ESPN, saying, why do we have a Syracuse transfer with all the great players Louisiana puts out? Why is a Syracuse transfer playing defensive back for us? Like a seventh-year guy. You know, yeah. I mean, you would think that you would just say, this is DBU. This is Patrick Peterson. This is um, Ryan Clark. You know, Ryan Clark. This <laughs> yeah. is the honey badger. Like, yeah. this is, the you know, where you go. And I don't know if it's a numbers game. I, I don't know what it is, but that people are going to pick on LSU. And the problem is, is I don't think that 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 LSU offense is consistent enough to get into track meets. I think Ole Miss's offense can. I think Heupel's offense can. I sure as hell don't think that that LSU's um, offense can get in that track meet right now. Yeah. So the other thing you touched on that is that if I'm going to hit a panic button, Harold Perkins is one. You can fix that. This other one you've got to fix, and it is a harder fix than Harold Perkins. And that is last year. One thing when we talked to LSU up in the offseason, one thing that always worried me is Jaden Daniels led them in rushing last year. And mm -hmm. you just mentioned it again. Where is the run game? Where has Noah Kane, yeah. the Penn State transfer? I thought he would come in and be your typical, you know, Kevin Falk, John Emery, Leonard Fournette, LSU running back. That, that is, like you said, you're just so accustomed to seeing LSU able to line up and run the football. Um, and there again, Jaden Daniels shouldering the burden in the run game. That is not a formula for winning the West, going to Atlanta, and accomplishing what LSU wants to accomplish. Yeah, and I think that's where the, the, the identity crisis happens with LSU, right? And it's happened a little bit throughout college football, is the fact of in 2019, you have a I mean, one of the greatest teams ever, right? You spread it out. You're just like middle fingers. We're just going to throw the ball and you can't stop it. And in that, in that whole plan, do you continue to roll that way? And in, in, even if you don't have the personnel, but the more and more of kind of a spread pass front offense as you have, guess what? You lose your physicality. Ask, ask Alabama. I didn't think yep, Alabama yep. was very physical the last couple of years because I thought they were more pass heavy. And when they needed to run it, they couldn't. I think they're reverting to back to that this year. I think LSU finds himself like they don't really know what their offense is. It's Jay Daniels needs to make something happen. But if you go back and look at it, it's more of like kind of broken plays that LSU's offense works really well, as opposed to this is what we do, right? This is our script. Um, and that that's, I mean, that's going to be a monster issue. There's still a bunch of talent there. But my question is, too, Brownie, in the world of transfer portals, when you have 30, 40 new players on a team and there's a lot of turnover, how many of those guys are mercenaries and how many of those guys are saying, hey, when it's tough and coach is riding my ass, I'm all in. I'd like yeah. to think they are. But 20 years ago, you'd have guys that said, man, I wanted to be an LSU Tiger since I was nine years old. I'm going to give the extra rep. I'm going to do this. If all of a sudden you got some kid that came in from – Middle Tennessee State because it was a good NIL deal and hey, it'd be kind of cool to play for LSU and it ain't going to be, you know, and things aren't going well. Are you as bought in? I don't know. And that's going to be something I'm going to look at uh, for not just LSU, but all of college football. All right. One final topic away from the Southeastern Conference with Burnsy on the burnout here as uh, we cover some college football ground. A reminder of two things. Number one, Start every college football Saturday or Thursday or the NFL Sunday, Monday with Lance'sLock.com. Lance's got plays up. He's got a free play every day, and he's got plays up throughout the uh, football season. Lance'sLock.com. Lance Taylor coming off another good college football weekend. Now the NFL's about to heat up, so we'll have a ton of plays 
every single day. Lanceslock.com, daily packages, weekly packages, monthly packages, full season packages right there at Lanceslock.com. Take that information, go to mybookie.ag, code next round to get that sign-on bonus at code next with code next round and play those games there in mybookie.ag. Bet anything, anytime, anywhere. Mybookie.ag, code next round. All right, final topic. It is the talk of the college football world, the performance mm. of Colorado Saturday in that early game at TCU. Joel Klatt comes on our show every Monday, and he was obviously on the game for Fox. And I told Klatt, I, I've been watching football. You, when you grew up in Alabama, I was born and raised in the great state of Alabama. You're a college football fan when you come out of the womb, right? Mm -hmm. um, you just watch college football. It's what we do in this state. So I've been watching college football passionately for the better part of 35 years, Burns. I've never seen anything like Travis Hunter. I've seen guys, you know, I've yeah. seen Champ Bailey play some plays two ways. I saw Charles Woodson do it. I've never seen anybody do it for a whole game and be the best player on the field. I mean, that was amazing to watch him do that. There was there was a moment where they're showing some footage of a TCU defender just getting burnt. I mean, yeah. just crisp. And it's Travis, uh, you know, Hunter. And I'm like, bro, this is like snap 104 crazy. in 104 degree heat. Yep. And he's burning dudes. And I'm like, like, I got winded walking from the parking lot to the studios in like <laughs> 88 both. degree yes. heat. I know. Um, and I'm like, this is a different uh, uh, level. And it's fun, man. Like, I want characters like college football to me. The reason why it's more you know, supreme to the NFL and why I prefer it is because I feel like NFL just sucks the the joy out of all of it, right? It's, yeah, it's a little no more sanitized, game. right? Yeah, it's a little more much sanitized. more sanitized. Yeah. And I'm like, I want, I want, you know, Dion in in people's face. I, I I want to see Travis Hunter. I want to see those guys. I want to see it differently. I may not like it per se. Like, like that's how I would uh, to go about it. But at the end of the day, like I need characters in my life. Like I don't go and watch Netflix, uh, you know, or, or, or Disney if there's no villains or heroes and everybody's just kind of nice guys and they're walking around like, give me something to be interested in. And it wasn't just hype. It was substance. And that was fun as hell. Now, I will say this. I thought TCU was atrocious. They were. <laughs> like defensively, it was just uh, patty cake football, like what we used to make fun of the Big 12, you know, like five, six, seven, eight years ago, but it was fun. Now, I, I I can't wait to watch what happens if Deion A continues to win, and but even maybe more interested now that, like, if they lose, how does the traditional media, you know, work with Dion and how he, he addresses it? Um, but guess what? I care about Colorado football. I can't remember the last time I, I did. Frankly, and I and I lived in Denver yeah. for four years and covered covered the Buffs. I didn't give a crap about them then. I do <laughs> more now because Dion's there. The crazy part of it to me, though, was because I agree with you on TCU. Look, I thought TCU was a seven and five team this year. I but I was giving them this win, so I think we'll get to the end of the year. TCU's battling for bowl eligibility. I think they're like a six and six team. That is not meant to diminish anything Colorado did. I'm just mm -hmm. saying that that's what I thought going in. But I thought Colorado would lose this game. What blows me away is you had two coaches of that game. One, we're viewing, a lot of people are viewing as an experiment, right? The other one just coached in the national championship game. The guy that a lot of people view as an experiment, his team was so much better coached in that game. That's yeah. what blew me away is his team was, they didn't commit penalties. They didn't have stupid errors. 
you got a bunch of guys that were playing football at a bunch of different places last year, and he somehow brought them in, melded them into a team that played a smart, clean football game. They were the better coach team. That blew me away. Well, and you have a staff that all decided to follow that guy, right? Yeah. To follow Dion. It was, and they will they will walk through coals for him. And I think that ends up being a great staff because you're right. I mean, that's a, a eighty some odd new players. That's that's hard to get everybody going in the same direction but they all have kind of like this path and who they're going to follow. Um, this was the funniest part that I, I joked around with, with during, uh, uh, after the show today, I was like, can you imagine like just chaotic world, right? Can you imagine that Dion does well this year and all of a sudden next year really gets Colorado ripping. He's a storyline for some ungodly reason, Billy Napier just struggles in 2024. And then you're like Dion at Florida, just because he's upset that he didn't get Florida State, didn't give yeah. him a look. Like, I could totally see Dion being the guy, like, wasn't good enough for Florida State. Wasn't That's good right. enough. So, you know what? Yeah. I'm going to go down there to Gainesville. I'm going to whoop their ass every single year when I get that opportunity. Like, and, and, you believe? And, you believe me now? Like, are you believe me? All that bull <laughs> junk? Like, uh, I mean, again, I, I, and all of a sudden, I mean, he was – he needed a hug too. I mean, like between me and Doring, we needed some hugs with our respective teams oh, uh, yeah. this, this upcoming season. Because I'll be honest with you, we know we have our, our annual LSU Florida bet. And I'm right, always, right. I'm like, I was, I mean, my chest was out. I was excited about it after, um, after watching Florida struggle on Thursday. And then I was like, nope, maybe we just call it off for everybody this, this, <laughs> this year. I don't feel nearly as confident as I do after FSU put the whooping down on LSU. Hey, thank you to the sponsors on the burnout, uh, Roback.com, TNR20 for 20% off that first purchase there at Roback.com. Also, don't forget Lance'sLock.com, another football week coming up. He's got picks right there. You could use them every single day, Lance'sLock.com, daily packages, weekly packages, monthly packages, full season packages at Lance'sLock.com. And as always, MyBookie.ag, code next round. They've got that parlay where you win the first two legs. You don't feel great about that third leg. You could cash out. They've got cash out. On any game you play there, cash out options. If you don't like the way the game is going, you can cash out and save a little there at mybookie.ag. Code next round at sign on at mybookie.ag. And you get a bonus up to $200 on any deposit, $50 or more. Mybookie.ag. Code next round. All right, Bernsey, thank you for another week. It's fun. Have a great week. We'll enjoy another week of football in week two. God bless America. See you, bud. <laughs> See you.